A lot of church websites, well, they're just not that great. That's what we're talking about on today's episode of Church Media HQ. Secondary pages to be considered when adding to a website. These are pages that you can that you can make a part of your website that go beyond your homepage uh, that some people are going to care about because a lot of times your homepage uh, main sections would actually link to these pages. So we talked about a children's ministry uh, section on your homepage, uh, maybe a, a small tile or icon or whatever that talks about your kids' ministry with a very short description. Well, uh, if people click on that, then it could take them to uh, a kid's ministry page, which would be a great example of a secondary page to include. So that would be the first type of content that would make a secondary page is ministry-specific pages. Now, I will say this. Again, you have to consider what is most important when it comes to your demographic, when it comes to your local area and your community as far as what's going to have the most appeal. Kids ministry is pretty general. Most people are, uh, most parents are going to want to know that, hey, you've got something for their kids and they're going to want to read more about it. So maybe a dedicated so a dedicated landing page would make sense for that. Uh, and then again, I keep using this example. If, you, if you're in a town that uh, you've got some type of a young adults outreach because you're in a uh, a college community, uh, well, it would might make sense to have a dedicated landing page for your young adults ministry in that case. However, uh, don't feel like every ministry needs a dedicated page. Uh, it really comes down to what your church is doing specifically, and so don't feel like you've got to do you know a dedicated page for every little ministry and aspect of your church because that can get pretty overwhelming. And the sad truth is, is that a lot of times when you do all that, you're making pages that in all reality are rarely, if ever going to get visited. So in addition to these actual different, you know, ministry pages that might make sense based on your church specifically, uh, here are some other pages that I think just across the board would actually make sense to have. So the first is your connect page. Uh, and this is something that might sound a little bit new, but this is where you're going to put all of your small groups, your, you know, Bible studies, your classes, even upcoming events and activities, uh, age specific programs. Uh, a lot of times this is primarily uh, content and events and, and groups that are for adults. And here's where you can, a small paradigm shift can really help you understand and organize your ministries in general. So on the back end, if you will, on the administrative side, what you're seeing as a leader at your church is all the complexity of all the different things that you offer, all the different kids classes and all the different, uh, you know, adult uh, small groups or all the different Bible studies, all the different service opportunities, all these different things. They, they can be really, really complex. The goal, though, is not to make it seem uh, that you want to make it, what I was saying is we want to make it seem simple to the person who's visiting your website or who's coming in from the outside. I have seen some churches uh, that they might somewhat like to, they, they kind of are under the, the, 
perception that, well, if we show that we have a lot of ministries, a lot of opportunities, uh, and whatever, that this can be something that's actually appealing. And while I do think it's good that your church showcases that it might have, again, these multiple connection opportunities for different age groups and demographics, you don't want to be overwhelming. You want to simplify it as much as possible. I think the Connect page really solves this problem and really helps you simplify your potentially complex uh, ministries, programs, and offerings there at your church. So this is, uh, when it comes to the Connect page, uh, this is how you do it. You put all these small groups. Think about this. Really, just about everything is a group. Uh, whether you call it a small group or not, whether you call it a group or not, it is a group. Even if it's you, because a lot of times small groups are thought of as these. Well, these are these groups these, of, of that people. Maybe they meet on site or off site, but they meet weekly. And, and it's a specifically organized thing that we call our small group, or maybe you call it your uh, adult classes ministry, whatever terminology you're using. Uh, and that's what we think of that fits in there. But the truth is, is that even if you have an annual church picnic uh, that you have once a year. Well, that's another example of a group because what is a group? What are all of these things? Well, all they are is taking your larger congregation, those who attend your church on a Sunday uh, or on the weekend, and you're dividing it up into smaller, smaller segments, smaller groups, so that you can more effectively connect and uh, connect with those people and uh, and help them grow, and that is the beauty of a groups model and the connect page is that it recognizes that everything is really a group. I would even go as far as to argue that extra uh, services throughout the week that you might offer, such as a midweek service or some type of Sunday night Bible study, uh, I would even argue that those can classify as groups. Yes, they might be larger groups, but they're still a subgroup of your church because I highly doubt that near as many people attend those extra services that do your main Sunday service. That's typically the pattern that we see in most churches that offer those uh, those secondary services. And so I think that everything, I, I believe you'll find some benefit in showing everything as a connection opportunity on this page. Everything is a group. Everything is just a connection opportunity. And that's what this connect page is for. Now, uh, here's a warning. Uh, you want to be cautious of how this page is presented. Again, too much info presented in the wrong format can confuse visitors. You don't want to present something that's incredibly overwhelming. Again, you don't want to just list every single thing. Uh, I've seen uh, churches that, you know, they've got a nice, the, the way that they present their connection opportunities is, you know, they have some type of a, a filter, you know, at the top of the page where you select the, or maybe before you can even access the page, you have to, you know, complete this quick little form of basically your age and, uh, you know, if you have kids or not, if you're married or not, um, you know, all these different factors. And then once you submit that, then it show only shows them the groups that are applicable to them and the connection opportunities that are for them. You don't want to be overwhelming with this. And here is something you can do kind of for bonus points. You can provide online sign-up forms for all these different connection opportunities. If you can do that, then again, it kind of goes back to this contact capture idea. Well, now, even if you're, now I'm not saying if you're able to, you know, if it's something that's a paid event and you're able to get people to pay online, that's one thing. I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about just getting people to sign up and more or less RSVP for an event or for a group or whatever it may be by just giving their name and email 
again. That way, hey, now you've got their info, you see that they're interested, and now you can begin that process of getting them fully engaged and connected through that particular group or opportunity. So the Connect page, this is something that I really think can make a difference in your church. It can be a great way to present all the different opportunities that you have. So uh, I would definitely highly consider adding that to your website. Another page uh, would be your next steps and maybe even your serving page. So giving people a clear path to how they can take their next steps at your church and get involved with serving at your church. Uh, This is going to be really important because uh, you want people to know exactly what their next steps are. If they want to continue to get deeper, get more involved, get deeper, get connected on a deeper level, uh, this is what you, you want to make that path clear. You don't want to make it confusing. You don't want to leave it up for question. You want to make it very, very clear. Ideally, uh, you want to include, uh, um, again, an online form that allows someone to take the next step. You're going to find here that these this online forms are key to getting people to go from just a visitor to someone who actually is now connected and engaged. And so giving them this form where they can say, hey, this is this is the next step I want to take. I, I want to accept Christ. I want to get baptized. I want to start serving. Um, you know, I want to, uh, you know, I'm interested in, you know, church membership or whatever it may be. Uh, you can have these different things. Again, this kind of is similar to a connection or communication card that you would physically give out uh, at your church, just digital. So uh, this is something that uh, I highly uh, encourage you to consider adding. And if you are looking for that resource, uh, right here uh, on, uh, on our landing page, churchmediahq.com slash web, we actually have access to a way where you can implement this on your church website free. We handle most of the heavy lifting in terms of all the back-end coding and everything. And we basically just provide this form for you so that you can use it at your church. So if you're interested in taking advantage of that, again, it's a free resource. So if you're interested in taking advantage of that, again, it's a free resource available at churchmediahq.com slash web. So your next steps in serving, it's great to have that online connection form uh, if possible. You just want to give people that clear path. The next uh, uh, page or section you can include is something about your beliefs and or your core values. Now, uh, many people will want to know, and and, and I will say this, a lot of this, again, depends on your local area. So uh, I I think of the classic, uh, if your church is in the South or if it's not. (laughs) So Southern churches tend to be a little bit more saturated with, with church in general and with the gospel message. Now, I'm in the South. Side note, biggest myth is that everybody in the South is good Christian people. Um, I tend to think everybody in the South is good people. Um, most people are, but the, the whole, oh, just because in your South, you're growing, you know Jesus, eh, not, not so much, but I digress. That's a total soapbox there for another time. However, nonetheless, people are more familiar with the idea of church, the concept of uh, church attendance. And what you tend to see in the South is a lot of church hopping. And I'm not saying that from a negative standpoint in that, yes, occasionally you'll get your disgruntled church member who leaves this church and begins to go into this church across the street. Sure, that kind of stuff happens. But you'll even get churches, or you get people rather, that they just they, they relocate. Maybe they stay, maybe they, they relocate to be in, um, a couple hours or an hour. Sometimes, yeah, they just relocate and they go you know, across town where it becomes kind of inconvenient to 
to travel to the church they were going to. So they start looking for new churches. Well, a lot of times, uh, if you are already churched, if you will, and you already have kind of uh, begun that faith journey, and, and you're maybe even somewhat uh, rooted in what you believe and so on and so forth, then yeah, you're going to be looking for a church that has similar beliefs and core values as maybe what you, what you've, what that person has adopted and what they have uh, adopted to believe. And so uh, what I'm saying here is that this beliefs and core value section, uh, it's really valuable uh, and it serves, um, it serves a great purpose regardless, but I do recognize that it could be a little bit more important depending on your local community and the culture of uh, your part of the world. Uh, so, but, but all that aside, uh, I think the best way to summarize your beliefs and your core values is really in no more than maybe 10 simple statements um, that just give people the headlines. Um, I'm not a fan of people including full statements of faith, you know, I have cross references and lengthy exposition about each and every one. And um, most people, they just need the headlines. Uh, they just need to know your basic theology. They need to notice, you know, you know things like, hey, your, your core values, what's important to you, what's your mission. Um, you know, and I'm not going to uh, try to tell you how to develop your theology. You have to determine, obviously, what's important to you. If you really are set on providing a full statement of faith, Maybe make it a non-dominant link to some type of downloadable PDF if you really do believe that's something people are going to be searching for more. But uh, for the actual website content, just keep it really general and a really overview. Again, less is more. We don't want to get too involved in our descriptions of anything on our website. So your beliefs and core values. Um, we already talked about these different ministry pages. I do think something, though, I will come back to this. I do think something about next generation ministry is really important to feature. So whether that's a kids uh, kids page uh, or even a student ministries page for those who are, um, you know, uh, in high school, teenagers. Uh, and then, like I said, if you've got a, uh, a strong young adults ministry, that might be something uh, to feature. But you're definitely going to want to say something about it. Uh, and I think if it's particularly for kids ministry, it's great to have that landing page. So won't spend too much time rehashing that. Uh, and then the other section, another uh, section or page to consider uh, is your church leadership. Uh, and this can include names, photos, and very brief bios of the uh, key leadership at your church. Uh, so obviously your lead pastor. Uh, if you, again, going back to that next generation ministry, your kid's pastor, maybe your youth or student pastor, maybe your worship leader, uh, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to, before people visit, uh, we're trying to familiarize them with the faces that they can expect to interact with. So the kids, they will uh, see this kid's pastor. Uh, obviously, the adults are going to see the lead pastor as he's uh, preaching or teaching. Um, the worship pastor, again, that's somebody who's probably going to have a dominant part of the service. Uh, so these are uh, the things that you want to include. Now, I will say this: don't take this too far. Um, including people like your, you know, support staff, um, volunteers, uh, deacons, elders. Uh, again, then we start to get in this information overload. Um, as far as a number of people to include, again, it can be hard to say, but. I mean, as little as, uh, really, if it's just the senior pastor, because that's all you got, obviously that, that is sufficient. Uh, but uh, I would say six, six or seven, maybe eight, if you're pushing it. Uh, you don't want to have too many. Um, I think, the again, the less is more philosophy is, is best here. Um, and then 
Another kind of bonus project here, if you're able to include photos of your leadership uh, that also has their spouses and their uh, kids if they have them, uh, this is going to really make your leadership team seem uh, a lot more relatable. Uh, again, just a quick picture. It's probably understood that they've got some type of family, but showing it on the website, uh, if everybody's comfortable with that, uh, can really m just make a subtle subliminal connection with the website visitor before they ever visit your church. And so, uh, again, this is a good reason to include these, these photos of families or, or with spouses and not just the leadership uh, themselves. Um, so that's the church leadership page. Now, the next is going to be online giving. Now, I'm not going to go over this too much because I think it's become very obvious that churches that offer online giving tend to have higher giving averages. Uh, Tithely is a really, um, they, in fact, that's my kind of recommended, if you haven't started with online giving yet, check out Tithely because they have options uh, where there's no monthly rates. Um, and so you could look into that. They have some really good research um, and infographics about this if you want to go to their website. But the, the statistic that really stood out to me is that over two-thirds of giving uh, is done through or, or is rather done on days other than Sunday. Uh, so other two, over two-thirds of giving uh, happens on the other six days of the week when online giving is offered. So this just shows you that people don't have to be sitting under the sound of your voice and being prompted to give to give just by visiting your website and seeing that you offer online giving can be enough to prompt them to uh, give a contribution and, and, and do a, uh, or and give to your church. But all that said, I have to make this massive disclaimer, huge warning here. Do not make this a dominant aspect of your website. Calling back to those calls of action we were talking about, never ever should your call to action be give now, uh, give online. Nope, that should not be your dominant call to action. That is, uh, again, it's one of those things I feel like should go without saying, but uh, that is going to be just just turn away so many people. That's gonna People are going to think, oh, okay, this church, okay, all they care about is my money. They just want me to give. All right, whatever. That should be nowhere on the dominant part of your website. It doesn't need to be the primary call to action, nor the secondary call to action, nor should you try to slip it in there as a third call to action. Third call to action is a bad idea. Anyways, no online giving and it's part of the call to action section, or even should it serve a dominant role on the homepage. Now, I do understand giving's important. I get that. So I'm not saying to get it off your website altogether. I think it's fine if it's included in the main menu of your homepage. And because in theory, then it can still be seen uh, above the fold before you scroll. It's not that people are offended that you. Uh, that you need uh, giving to exist. They understand that. They just don't want to feel like the first thing on their website is you prompting them and uh, begging for their money. Believe it or not, this is how people uh, this is how people can perceive that. So you want to be really uh, careful for that. And if you haven't implemented online giving yet, you need to do this. Uh, and you need to do it soon. I think most churches at this point have done it because the value has become more obvious than ever. Um, and it does need to have a place on your website, uh, but it does not need to be the dominant thing. Either way, online giving, you need to, you need to go for it. And again, check out Tithely because you can, uh, we don't get any type of endorsement from them or any type of uh, kickback or anything. This isn't some type of paid endorsement. Just from what I've seen, it's a great way to get started without having, with, with no startup costs. So look into that. 
Now, the next uh, section or page on your website uh, is going to be your sermon media page. Uh, and this is obviously where we make past sermons available to uh, to watch or listen to in as many formats as possible. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not necessarily talking about a big, you know, sermon portal. I've seen these, and, and churches that do these right, uh, they look they they look really nice. And I've seen third parties that offer this for churches. Um, so I'm not saying that they're wrong, but I'm not saying that they're essential either. So what I'm talking about is a place where you can go and you can filter all the different sermons by, you know, uh, the the speaker, the date, the, the 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 series title, whatever. And again, all that is really cool and really good. And if you're able to do it right, then go for it. But it's one of those things if you're can't do it right, uh, or if you're just going to try to, uh, the worst thing you can do is try to do something like that that's maybe has to be very manually managed. And what I mean by that is something that might require a lot of programming or coding, because uh, a lot of times, you know, like I said, if you're not using one of these third-party uh, uh, services that, that does it for you, it can look really or it can be really, it can take a lot of uh, coding and, and technical knowledge and all that. So um, what we're talking about, though, more here is a place where you say, hey, our sermons are available online. And if all you're doing is embedding uh, YouTube, the great thing about YouTube is you can embed a playlist. And, uh, you know, so, for example, a playlist that you, you know, always have the latest sermon as the, the latest item in that playlist. Uh, well, then there on your website, you'll always have the latest sermon preached will be available in this section. Uh, and then if people even have to click on a YouTube link and, and outlink to your, uh, or link out to your YouTube channel to view the back catalog of all the sermons that you offer, I actually don't think that's such a bad thing because then you're getting the opportunity to get YouTube subscribers, people subscribing to your channel and yet connecting to your church in just one more way. So I'm not opposed to that. When it comes to your sermon media, though, it needs to be available on as many platforms as possible. Uh, I said YouTube and, um, and then also Facebook. These are the main two as far as video content. All churches should be utilizing these platforms because they are free and they have billions of users. Now, I do know there has been concern lately about censorship and, um, you know, uh, Facebook and YouTube both uh, have, you know, started to seemingly silence maybe some more conservative voices. Um, and I'm sure there are isolated cases where maybe it's happened with churches. I'm not seeing this as a widespread thing. And I'm sure the day may come when it's more of an issue, but uh, even more of a reason to take advantage of using it now while we can. It's free. Uh, again, it's free and it doesn't take much effort to, to take advantage of it. So YouTube and Facebook, you need to be on these platforms. Now, another platform that you need to be on is by, I was through an audio podcast because the podcast medium is exploding. Uh, according to a podcast, according, according to Podcast Insights, uh, it's a website that obviously takes a lot of stats and data about podcasts. Fifty-five um, percent of the U.S. populations listen of the U.S. population listens to podcasts. Uh, that number is up from just over 50% two years ago. So what we're seeing is growth in podcast consumption. And I honestly don't believe it's going to peak anytime soon. The trends are just showing that this is going to become more and more and more. Audio consumption is becoming a huge dominant part of um of our media culture, which I, as a side note, think is fantastic uh, because there is so much more room for uh, different voices and opinions and outlets uh, through the audio medium. 
So I think it's an awesome thing to see. And uh, of these, uh, other, a couple other stats though, 80% of people, uh, they tend to listen to all or most of an episode. Okay, so in other words, 80% of people, when they start an episode, they're going to actually finish the majority of the content. And another 80% uh, listen to an average of about seven shows uh, a week. Uh, and typically shows are about an hour long. So about, uh, let's say about seven hours of content uh, a week. So a lot of people uh, will potentially listen to preaching by way of podcast. And I would dare say that people are much more likely to actually listen than they are to just watch. I mean, think about all the things that you can do while you're listening that you can't do while you're watching. You you can't safely watch a YouTube video while you're driving. Uh, It can be distracting to try to watch a video while you're working. Uh, It can be uh, pretty much, I mean... Pretty pretty difficult, if nothing else, to try to uh, watch a sermon while you're exercising or working out or whatever it may be. So, uh, but but you can all of those things I just mentioned. You can do you can listen to a podcast uh, while you're doing it and not miss a beat. So this is another reason why you need to be on podcasting. If you haven't gotten on it yet, you need to. And the and here's because here's the biggest myth about podcasting uh, about getting your especially particularly getting your sermons on podcast is that it is expensive. Uh, and that it's difficult to do. And the truth is, is that you can do it for free and you can do it very easily through what I recommend because it's the only one out there that I'm seeing like this uh, that offers this truly free and that's Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm actually was recently acquired by Spotify, which is one of the biggest pl- uh, uh, podcast and audio platforms out there. And so they're kind of calling the shots now, but even I've been with Anchor. I, that's what we use for all of our podcasts here. Uh, I've been with Anchor uh, since before the uh, Spotify acquisition and now a few months after everything seems to be uh, everything was seamless transition wise nothing really changed if anything Spotify has just come along and made it a little bit better uh, and so Anchor FM uh, it's not designed for sermons uh, specifically but uh, it has some really powerful features and it's really easy to use uh, setting it up is is very simple uploading your uh, your sermons and content is is really simple and I'm going to throw this out there too. When it comes to your audio podcast, I would challenge you to start with your sermons. Start by adding your sermons uh, because this is something that obviously it's content you're producing every week. So it shouldn't be much more of a challenge to get it out there. So start with some of your sermons. However, consider adding supplemental content throughout the week. So, for example, sitting down and having a conversation just between your pastor and maybe another one of your ministry leaders or volunteers, uh, that that type of insight where you just are having more of a conversational format, you're just having a back and forth uh, you know, discussion. Uh, now what you've got is dialogue content, not just monologue content. Monologue content is kind of what I'm doing, what I've been doing now here for the best, uh, for, for a little while now as we've gone over this coaching content. It's just me talking to you via video. I'm not able to get your feedback. I'm not able to get your thoughts. What I I do enjoy doing this, but what I really love doing is having these conversations. And that's actually compiled much of the Church Media HQ content over the past few months is conversations that we're having with other church leaders and creative experts. I'm not sure what you prefer. In fact, side note, I'd love to hear your feedback. So let me know what you think, maybe in the comments or by shooting me an email. But uh, people, uh, people tend to, if nothing else, like at least a variety of both. They don't necessarily constantly want to feel like they're just being monologued, 
but they and they also may enjoy having some of that dialogue conversation because here's the thing: people that listen to conversations actually start to believe that they're getting that they're actually a part of that conversation. It's this interesting mental dynamic that happens there. And so I would take it a step further. Don't just admit, yes, yes. Always start with what you can do. At the same I, I, as I'm encouraging you to try this, I also don't want you to think that I'm. Uh, that I'm, uh, that I, I don't want you to be overwhelmed. In other words, I don't want you to feel like, oh, it's so much work. I don't have the microphone. I don't have the camera. Uh, look, look, we could talk or I don't want to dive too much in the technical side of things. But again, even on the technical side, starting a podcast is actually easy if you do want to develop that supplemental content. But your audio podcast can be a huge way to continue to reach people, to grow people, not just through your weekly sermons, but through potentially supplemental content. Now, getting back to Anchor. Again, very easy to use. You can upload your audio, give it a title, give it a description, and you can you can release it immediately, or you can schedule it to release later. So, if you want your uh, if you don't want your sermons, maybe you upload your Sunday sermons on Sunday afternoon, but you don't want them releasing till Monday morning. You can just schedule it, and Anchor will take care of it. The greatest thing about Anchor, though, is when you sign up, and once you've started to put content out on to Anchor, it is going to automatically distribute distribute your content to all of the major podcasting platforms. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, and then also several of these other, you know, smaller platforms like Overcast and, and, and Stitcher and these others. It's going to take care of distributing it for you every single time you put out an episode. So you don't have to worry about making sure that your content gets to all the different platforms. So you can upload it to one place and then it can blast it out to all of the different ways because there are a lot of apps and a lot of different ways to consume podcast content. So again, I cannot encourage you enough. If you have not started a podcast for your church, even if all you're doing is starting out at first with just your weekly sermons, get on to uh, anchor.fm now, start a free account. Again, I get no type of uh, of kickback or, or any type of affiliate, nothing. This is not some type of official endor- uh, endorsement as far as a paid endorsement. This is just because it's that good, and I believe that it is going to really help your church as you dive into podcasting. So this is the this is uh, this kind of concludes the section about secondary pages. Uh, so these are pages that you can have on your website that aren't as important as the homepage. However, they are something that is valuable, uh, that could provide value, I should say, to potential website visitors. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Church Media HQ. If you haven't yet, I hope you will subscribe wherever you are listening to podcasts. And I do want to uh, challenge you. I hope that you found this content valuable. If you have, then share it with another church leader uh, so that they can be helped as well. Something as simple as just liking and sharing a video on YouTube and Facebook can actually go a long way way. So I thank you in advance for liking and sharing and helping this content get seen by others like you. Church Media HQ is a production of the Must Increase Network. The show is edited and produced by Bo Snyder. Executive producer and host is myself, Luke Clayton. And until next time, I want to remind you, whether it's with your website or with something else, 
it's time for you to try something new. Why? Well, because it is so much better to fail at trying the incredible than to succeed at doing the average. We'll see you next time here on Church Media HQ.